you kicking off? Am I kicking off? Who's kicking off? You you take it. You kick it off. I think I kicked off last time. Did you? I don't know. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, let's go with you did. I have got this. <laughs> Welcome to What the Hell? This is a podcast. Ooh. I am Tiffany. And I'm Brittany. And this is episode 33. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, um, episode 33. I... So the podcast, oh, yes. if it was yes. years, is now as old as Jesus got to be. Well, this is a significant one then. We should have <laughs> should have sat with this more. <laughs> In that case, yes. So significant. Um, number 33. And... It is our second week, uh, kind of focusing, if you will, on our verticals. So this week we are diving into deconstruction. Did you say mm-hmm. that you're Brittany? I did. Okay, great. I just needed to double check on that. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I, I, there, I knew I said my name, but I was like, there's no way I said I'm Tiffany and then you said nothing. And I just was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a name. Uh, okay, great. Good. Yeah. A so, girl with no name. <laughs> oh, is it? Yes, a girl with no name. I never followed all of that. I didn't. I didn't either. And then, then it was such it. a letdown at the end with that. I'm like, where's the follow through with that? But okay. No, totally. And you know that somewhere in America, there's like some youth group too that is like using Game of Thrones or did use Game of Thrones as like an analogy for Christ, you know? Oh, 100%. You know that's happening or has happened. No question. A girl with no name. Do you see what, what was her name? Aria? Aria? Aria. Aria, yeah. yeah. Do you see what Aria is doing here? She has removed her identity in order to take on the identity of Christ. We must be like Aria. (laughs) And I'm like, I'd rather be like Aria from Pretty Little Liars. (laughs) Yes. Which we're also showing the, we have quite a variety of tastes when it comes to television shows. We have Pretty Little Liars. And then we also have Game of Thrones. So we like to think we're very... Um, colorful in our choices of television. <laughs> We're well-rounded at the very least. Yes. Yes, that's true. Varying tastes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, yeah, we're talking, we're having a deconstruction talk and it, it's coming about because of, do you think we can say it at the same time? Three, two, oh. one. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> My favorite pastime. It's like, what are your hobbies? TikTok. Where have you learned the most in the last year? TikTok. Yes. And things and like my hobbies are TikTok and things I saw to do on TikTok. And and all of the money that I've spent on Amazon because of TikTok. TikTok is making people rich, but it's also, like you said, it's teaching us things. And so a couple of weeks ago, you, Brittany, sent me, Tiffany, those are our names, just to reiterate, uh, <laughs> A TikTok that like blew my mind. It was a perspective I had never heard or seen in the way that this person put it ever. Same. It was same for me. That's why I was like, I have to send this to you right now because I, my mind was blown as well. Yeah. And it inspired this conversation. So this week we are talking about um, purity culture, what it is, (sighs) where it came from, what it gets wrong, um, what if anything it gets right. (laughs) Um (laughs) All of our issues from it, all of the therapy we've needed from it. (laughs) Exactly. All of that, all the talks we've had and just like, you know, the the lube we've bought because of it. Um, (laughs) 
you can cut that out if you want. Uh, but no, oh, that's staying in. <laughs> so we have to talk though about what this TikTok was, and should we play a quick clip? Yeah, let's do it. Name something about the way you raise your kids. I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but what are you going to do? Um, oh, I got chilling on my boobs. Ignore me. Um, I'm raising my five daughters to believe that there is no such thing as virginity. It is a patriarchal concept used to control women and serves no purpose other than making women feel bad about ourselves. Um, just because some guy randomly sticks his penis in you at some point in your life, it does not change your worth. It does not change who you are. Um, it doesn't do anything other than it happened. Um, sex is important. It's a big deal. It should always be a big deal. It has no thing to do with your first time. And, and oh, God, it's just it's just ridiculous. The whole concept's ridiculous. And I get a lot of crap from other moms saying, oh, well, does you think that make your daughters promiscuous? Don't you think that? I was like, no, I'm raising them to be good people and have solid foundations and like make their own choices and make smart, intelligent choices. Not because some book says not to. Damn. Like goosebumps. Like it's just like mic drop. A hundred percent. I, so the thing about that video is like, you definitely hear people these days. Well, you know what? Maybe we should even define purity culture and what that is before even getting into this further, because there's so many things to be said about what this woman said. Um, yeah. and it, and it has nuances to it that I've never heard in my deconstruction process of trying to abstain from purity culture yeah yeah I have um I pulled up down here do you want me to jump into so I mean there's obviously depending on how you were raised and and what denomination this may sound slightly different but we're kind of basing it off of us growing up in an evangelical pentecostal church the article comes from it's called theconversation.com and basically the title of it was how the extreme abstinence of purity movement created a sense of shame in evangelical women so that's the article but in this they kind of define it a little bit so i'm just going to read a little bit from this article real quick yeah so it says so what exactly is the purity movement all about the labeled purity culture has a range of meanings many use it in its most literal form to refer to efforts especially in conservative protestant christianity to promote sexual abstinence prior to marriage beginning in the 1990s some groups within conservative u.s um i can never say this word but protest protestantism too many it's a, syllables that's a five dollar it's word. a mouthful <laughs> uh began promoting an organized strategy which ugh, I already don't like the sentence. An organized strategy to convince young people that the Bible requires a much more restrictive code, what one author has called extreme abstinence. And then it kind of goes into different things that we'll talk about, like different conferences, different campaigns, all in the effort of promoting abstinence, which if you don't know what that word is, basically not having sex before marriage. And then all the things that go along with that, which includes dating or like they like to call like courtship. And, mm-hmm. and that's a whole thing as well. So it, it was it defined for both men and women. But I feel like we can get into that as well, like how that was focused or ed- how we were educated on this topic. But essentially, both men and women are expected to remain sexually pure, like I said, abstaining from sex. But also, like, that can also, that's like the extreme version. This goes all the way back to, like, abstaining from lustful thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the level of, like, first base, second base, third base, whatever. Right. So it gets into all of that. And so, the appearance of evil even is a thing. Like, you could be, yeah. you know, um, 
essentially you told you're being sexually impure just because someone thought something about you, which is so reckless and bizarre um, and something to talk about for sure. But it's this thing in Christianity that be in evangelical Christianity that becomes, especially for young people and unmarried people, like the end all and be all about whether or not you even are a Christian. Can you claim to be a Christian and not be abstaining from sex? Um, and all of the appearances of evil. So the thing about that video you sent though, Brittany, among many things is just her, basically her first sentence other than there was, I guess, chili on her shirt, but (laughs) she said, I'm teaching my five daughters that there is no such thing as virginity. Like I still keep getting goosebumps every, I'm like, what? Yeah. She didn't even need to say like, that could have been like the end of the TikTok. That could have been the whole thing. Yeah. So let's unpack that, if we will. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do, it, so it is interesting, though, because the idea of, like, the word virgin, and I didn't even look this up. I'm assuming it came on some level, like, the etymology of it from the Virgin Mary, right? Yeah, it has to have been from the virgin birth and, and all of that, which was, like, a virgin birth meant that he was conceived without sexual intercourse. Is that what right. we're supposed to believe? Yeah. yeah. No, it <laughs> happened. So, yeah. So it that, happened. It Like, even the concept, I've never even thought, I can't believe that I've never thought through the fact that the concept of virginity in and of itself could be, could just be completely tied up in Christianity. It was a moment, like, that's why, like, I literally, like, sent it to you immediately because I'm like, this is blowing my mind in a mm-hmm. level that, you know, I can't, I can't, I'm still trying to comprehend, which I, I was going to say to even preface this whole conversation is that we're not coming, or at least I am not coming out this topic with my mind made up about a lot of this. Some of it, yes. And then some of it is like, I'm raising it. I have a 10 year old daughter and I'm trying to figure this stuff out as we're talking about these things. And some of it, I'm like not realizing until I'm having to actually have conversations with her, trying to figure out what I am okay with, what I'm not okay with. And hearing that, that phrase that she was saying, virginity is like a con, what does she say? A construct? Or con- yeah, it's a, a patriarchal construct. Construct, yeah. yeah. I just, I mean, so much of my identity and value as a teenager was, and even preteen, because this started at preteen age, um, was in that virginity world. Like, stay true, stay a virgin till marriage, all that stuff. And man, that had some messed up consequences for me in my yeah mind in my mental health in my marriage I'm not saying it's totally gone but it took years years of working through this stuff and so that concept just the idea of that being something that we were you know it's not actually doesn't have to be a thing I can't I mean I think it's an amazing idea it seems probably dangerous to to those that you know anybody that's listening to this that grew up how we did or are worried for our salvation yeah. like it probably sounds like a very crazy thing to say but it also is so logical it's like just a concept a construct and i do feel like even though it it plays on both the female and male side it's like such a thing that's focused in on for women not that it doesn't happen with men like we think back to the bachelor and colton and like the virginity thing like it, it mm-hmm. it's i'm not gonna say it's not on both sides but man that would change everything if we started looking at it that way yeah, yeah. how do you feel and about even, it i mean even though it is on both sides though too it's like not an even seesaw like no. this is like a scales of justice woman and like they are very lopsided you know yeah like even the yeah. word virgin 
once again, going back to this like etymology thing, I never even have considered. It's so obvious that is applying to the female. Like you don't, you don't, the word virgin is applying to mother Mary, whatever, Jesus mother. Nobody like, there's no word for like Joseph. You know what I mean? Um, and I understand that the word virgin on some level existed before Mary. I get that guys. I don't think that's where the word began. I'm just saying that like in popular culture now it's applying back to the virginity of Mary, of Mary. Somebody's going to go actually look up the etymology and be like, all of this is wrong. It's fine. The point is, (laughs) the point is, um, I struggle with this so hard because I was like, that is huge. Is this possible? I wonder if it is possible to raise your kids to believe there's no such concept of virginity because the concept of virginity goes outside of Christianity. Like that's not just, it's not only religious, even though it's wildly religious. And so I don't know if that really is possible, but like maybe it's possible to teach them so unlike how we learned, you know, which obviously that is a thing. But I was going to say too, yeah. I don't even know if I would want my kid to believe there's no such thing as virginity, even though I get goosebumps from it and I'm like, wow, what a concept. Yeah, but I think you're right. Like it does go outside of obviously Christianity. I think maybe removing so much of the weight of that concept and going like, look, this is can be more of a scientific term that people use, which is like, yeah. you are a virgin until you have sex and it means like you have not had sex. That's it it's very scientific very biological (laughs) like it doesn't it isn't like oh you have this sacred gift that you have to keep for your husband whatever and I'm not honestly even as I say those words I don't know how I feel about it I don't I hope that I am going to be open enough with Nadia to like it hurts me to even say it to be like I want her to feel like me I don't see I can't even say the words out loud where I'm like (laughs) being open to having sex maybe as a teenager which is what a lot of people do yeah and having those conversations about safe sex and all of that and just it being a more open idea and like in that video the lady talks about like oh but what if what if that means your kids are gonna be so promiscuous or whatever and like honestly and I I realize I'm speaking as someone that uh again I'm just gonna put myself out there for myself but like I was a virgin until I was married and I don't know that I think that that was the best thing. Like I'm, and I, and I say that because I know Curtis would say, my husband would say the same thing. Right. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that like, I, I also can't speak for the other side. And, you know, I know people who might say like, oh, it, you know, they gave him a bunch of baggage or whatever by sleeping around. But also, you know, because we got married so young, I feel like it's different. I, when I think about it, like, let's say we were 30 and getting married, like, I think it's, I don't like to use the word crazy. We've tried to avoid that. But, like, I think it's a little bit illogical, irrational mm-hmm. to wait that long in something that now having been married 14 years, like, sex is a huge part of your life. Like, huge. Yeah. And I just think it's a big thing to just be like, oh, we're not going to worry about that not being yeah. a part of, like, compatibility with someone that you might commit the rest of your life to. Yeah, it's unreasonable. Yes, it's unreasonable and it's in, you know, to be, to consider yourself an evangelical Christian for sure, it's a requirement, you know, yeah. you, you, you're allowed to struggle. You're allowed to be like, this is something I struggle with and this is what I'm trying to whatever grow with whatever. But like, you, you're going to have an accountability partner. They're going to be all up in your business about how did you, did you not have sex? And the thing about that is all it's doing. So you talked about like, oh, maybe if you sleep around with a lot of people, then you have all this baggage. Well, guess what? You have baggage from how we grew up too. And that not being our situation 
it yep. either can come with baggage and one almost definitely does. So even people who are still into purity culture and friends I have who are still quite evangelical, even though they still believe in those concepts, I secretly believe that they have baggage from it too. Oh, and and I feel like we do. Like I, you But know. I mean people who are still in that world and wouldn't admit it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I think they probably experienced either baggage at the very least and trauma, you know, some of the worst ends of things based on these beliefs. I mean, I think one of the things that's so tough about the idea of purity culture in general and, you know, abstaining and all this is, you know, if you end up with somebody who didn't, which then you're Mm -hmm. unequally yoked and that's its own problem. Oh, Oh, Lord. (laughs) I know. Meaning like you're never supposed to be with somebody who's not on the same spiritual level as you. So if you end up with somebody who didn't have the same background as you, then you are so screwed up in your head. You are so mm-hmm. screwed up for, you can be so screwed up for so long about their sexual history versus yours and what it means and questions about your self-worth and living in a place of comparison. And yes, those things can also be true outside of purity culture, but they're just definitely true inside of it. Yeah. And then I think there's no focus whatsoever on teaching people how to even manage those conversations or expectations. And that's, I mean, Mm -hmm. in general, that's my frustration about a lot of church stuff is like, it's all leading up to, at least as a teenager, so in purity culture, it's all like leading up to this thing that's marriage. It's all leading up to this like pinnacle thing. And then, yep, you're just supposed to know everything after that it's all hunky-dory and like sure you go to church they're going to teach you some things this or that but it feels like the better thing would be to you know practice safe sex and educate people on how to handle their mental health and work on mental health and like I, I don't know it just feels like there's a big piece missing and as much as we may talk about this in maybe a negative way of the things we've experienced like I one could argue that there could be some positives to purity culture if if done right. I just don't think in the way we were raised that it was done right at all. Yeah. Not saying it wasn't done with good intention. I think you could argue our entire argue our entire podcast is kind of like look, great intention doesn't mean that still has consequences. Right. And that's part of this entire thing is deconstructing and sorting through all of those things that were we didn't have a choice in as kids and now as adults are unpacking right and I mean like the thing about it too you hit on a second ago is sex is a human need we must drink water we must eat food we must sleep at some point okay yes monks whatever you can abstain from sex but for most people sex is at base level like an animalistic drive it's a biological drive and then there's other things you get out of it too obviously intimacy pleasure like all these whatever it is I just find myself asking the question a lot why are Christians so upset why are we so obsessed with we (laughs) why are Christians so obsessed with sex why was that this huge thing for us growing up and I don't know why but for some reason it's this very human need that has been attached a holiness that other human needs aren't like we don't look at needing to drink water and go well there's certain ways to do that and there it's holy you know we don't look at how we eat food and say there's certain ways to do this this is what's holy unless certain faiths there are those things I'm talking about evangelical Christianity you know like in the Jewish faith there's certain things you don't eat and 
sure. And you know what? Way more logical than purity culture. Yeah. It just is. Like there's actual yeah. stuff. But I just, I don't know what the answer to that question is, but why did they assign holiness to this like very normal average human need? Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like anything that has to do with sex, which is how our society has been for centuries because it's such a big part of our society I get why it has become such a big thing in Christianity and and purity culture but I don't know it's also like if you take that and you do it incorrectly or poorly then it just causes things like shame which I feel like is the biggest thing that comes out of Mm -hmm. purity culture purity culture done wrong or gone wrong is a whole bunch of kids or young adults or whatever with a whole lot of shame and mental health issues because they don't know how to handle themselves by giving into their worldly nature or whatever their sin and then you know people don't handle that correctly in the church then then it's like oh now you're shunned because like oh she's not she's not a virgin anymore or whoever totally I've been to churches where they made people um not my dad's but I've been to churches where they made people stand up and confess yep oh same in South Africa ask for forgiveness from the church like can you imagine it's terrible in our church it happened when they got pregnant where they had to go before the church and it was like we had sex before marriage and I'm like now I'm like that is so ridiculous like how it's like it feels like it's what is it called flogging or like flat uh yeah uh flog you know why it's flogging but you want to say vlogging because that's the world we live in yeah (laughs) flogging yeah it's just like what it's and and you know what part of it is too again like just talking through the what these words mean we're using the word pure over and over what is the opposite of pure impure dirty vile unacceptable revolting like yeah um you know evil criminal like those are the opposites of pure so to say if you do this if you think about this if you want to do this if you continue to do this you are not pure what that is saying is you are disgusting you are vile you are you know criminal you are dirty what like how can you expect somebody then who has lived their entire life going be pure be pure be pure have no thoughts have no whatever and then they go get married and then the next day everything that you were told is now allowable and designed for you by God and you know um how are you supposed to flip that switch and when I think back to when I was that age and like that happened you know went and got married and um immediately go on a honeymoon and like not everything's working the way that you expect it to because now everything that yesterday was dirty isn't anymore but guess what now I did it now I feel dirty oh that's preach preach it to however wherever that was definitely my experience I it was definitely my experience was the feeling dirty after the fact when I'm now being told this is fine and it's like well what do you expect to have happened like it's not logical to not expect people to feel that way and then there's this whole thing about like people who let's say you're a teenager and you've had sex and then you but you're not in the church then you get saved or whatever Mm -hmm. and then people like become I don't know if there's a better term than just essentially like a born again virgin or like they almost like say they're a virgin again, I guess born again virgin. Totally. I get the concept, but it's just like, it just perpetuates this terrible idea that places so much weight on this idea of virginity. And the thing is, I'm not going to sit here and say that sex is not a big deal and that it shouldn't be a big deal because it is a 
huge deal. And that's what she said in the video too. She goes, sex is a big deal. And I was like, hmm, we need to talk about that because she's simultaneously talking it down while yeah. she's also admitting that, yes, it is a big deal. So how do we reconcile that? Especially like you have a kid yeah. who haven't talked about, you know, things like that. But I also think soon. the big deal for like a woman is just the pure biology part of it is like, look, I still think that I would want to preach you don't want to have sex until unless it's with someone that you love. I think it should be yeah. something that is a big, you know, like, no, I don't think you just be having sex just because, like, you want to go have, you know, an orgasm or be pleasured by someone, whatever. I do think it should be with someone you love. Does it have to be someone that you're married to? Like, no, I don't really believe that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you might argue, can a teenager know if they're in love? Yeah, I'd say yes. I don't probably won't want to think that when my daughter thinks she's in love or whatever. But yeah, I would say we need to give them more credit than that. But then on the other hand, as a mom who has a daughter, and I would say the same thing to my son. I think, you know, two people can make a baby having sex. But I think for her sake, too, it's like this is a big responsibility because now you are bringing something into the mix that can Mm -hmm. literally be life-changing for you if you don't take precautions. And I think because of these conversations being so not they're they're not had they're had in such a way of like abstaining in christianity that then there's like the bigger question of well what about safe sex and educating people who then do decide to go down that direction Mm -hmm. they do have sex and now they've not even learned how to handle that because now all they just feel is shame and they're not going to share that with anybody because now they're like you know not a part of totally the church or whatever well i think you know it's that thing of like when you're a kid you know you get like a best friend necklace. This is the most literally elementary like analogy I could have come up with, but I was just thinking it while you were saying that like, yeah, you don't want it to be with any old person. You want it to be with somebody you love, especially like the first, you know, whatever handful of times Um, (laughs) you do. And so like, you know, if you were a kid and you had like a best friend necklace, you know, little hearts and you break them and like with the other one, you Mm -hmm. keep one and you wear one. The best friend necklace doesn't come with like 17 halves to the heart, you know, it comes with two and that doesn't mean it only has to be one person forever, but you know, best friends change, divorces happen, whatever, (laughs) uh, you know, breakups happen. It doesn't have to be a divorce. I'm reinforcing uh, purity culture there, but I, I think it's that thing of just being like, well, it, you know, to be somebody's best friend is important. So to have sex with someone, which is not losing something, but to Mm -hmm. give that to someone and yourself, like pick wisely, you know? Yeah. And I think when there's less shame attached, you are more likely to choose well. And maybe later, maybe later, like if you're not constantly saying abstinence culture, purity culture, don't have sex before marriage. I mean, I was the type of kid where you tell me not to do something, I would secretly go find a way to do it. Well, that's exactly the thing is I'm like, you know, everybody's just trying to push the boundaries to the very limit of what is defined as like acceptable as opposed to just like if we take less pressure off of it and put the focus more on educating what sex is, what good sex could be, all these different things that are super uncomfortable for anybody to talk about. But it's also like, okay, let's say people do abstain, then they get married at like 20 years old like we did, Mm -hmm. and now you're in a world of like, are we just supposed to figure this out on our own? Because that was not part of the curriculum anywhere. (laughs) 
Um, not at and least not in wreck my your life and you potentially wreck your life in a different way because yeah. you were trying to meet some standard. I was talking to my boyfriend about this just a few days ago. He was like, you know, having a moment where he knows I got married when I was 20. He knows that, but he was just having a moment like you got married at 20. And I was like, I know it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. But you know, I was explaining to him and he goes, why? Like, why did you get married halfway through college? And I said, well, one of the reasons was we would have wanted to live together, but we weren't married and we knew we couldn't even ask to do that. Like that yeah. was not on the table, both being evangelical Christian families. So sure, we loved each other, but like maybe not enough to get married, especially since we're divorced. So the fact that we chose that came from a place of shame because not not entirely you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is the point I'm making on this. I'm but married it, it, and I same thing. Yeah. Part of it at the very minimum came from a place of shame because we would rather let's just get married and keep everyone happy than go move in together and do it like the normal 21st century way. But now everyone's disappointed in us and everyone's talking about us yeah. and they call themselves Christians, but they're living together, yeah. you know? Oh, hundred percent. And I, again, I say all this cause I feel like Curtis would say the same thing, but like, I feel like that's a huge reason why we got married literally the same time that you did in the middle of college yeah. because, you know, we loved each other and we knew we wanted to get married one day, but like also we were in like surrounded by people where that was also the norm. Like the people norm. were getting married so young. So it wasn't like we were the strange ones out of the bunch, mm -mm. but yeah, it's like, if we wanted to have sex and that's not why we got married, but that's not, not one of the reasons, you know, sure. and it's like it played into it. Like you can't, like we can yeah. never sit here and act like that had nothing to do with it. A huge yeah. reason people will choose to get married at 20 years old in the church, 18 years old is because they cannot have sex or they're vile. Yeah. And the thing is that is preached. Like I have heard family members preach this. I have heard people that the churches I went up to preach this. It's like, uh, we would rather you get married and like just go ahead and do all that and, yep. and then you like live together in Absolutely. sin. And it's like that is so fucked up. It's so harmful. <laughs> it's like looking back, it's it's so shockingly harmful um, and just upsetting. But, you know, you were hitting on this earlier. The conversation for boys growing up in the church um, versus girls is very different and they do get some of their own stuff though like the big conversation that I remember in youth groups and things and usually it was like small groups and like bible studies the boys would have theirs the girls have theirs and you'd hear about things later like what they talked about in theirs and like they're straight up telling boys like you don't masturbate you're going to hell yep Oh, that could be its own topic as well. But yes, might as well touch on it while we're here. Well, yeah, <laughs> touch on it. Um, <laughs> well, we are talking about That's for you, Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always available for, yeah, a cheap joke. Um <laughs> That too, though, plays... So that's the thing. It's like girls don't have sex. Boys don't masturbate because, <laughs> like, they know yeah. that boys are going to have sex. I don't know what it is, but And then also is, nobody think, talks about girls also masturbate, but I didn't know that was a thing until I was, like, in college. Oh, wow. Literally. Really? Literally didn't know that that was a thing. Like, I knew about yeah. what that was, but I didn't... I literally... Which just sounds so naive of me, and it was, but, like that was only associated with boys to me. And right. obviously I knew that like girls had orgasms. It wasn't like that. It just was never, it's like, because I maybe one person at one time talked about like, you know, when you have sex, it's like really beautiful when you're married and like all this yeah. stuff. I don't know that I fully understood 
all of it, even getting married, and it's which is crazy. Oh, totally. Um, you know, so oh, it's just well, like I didn't realize that. <laughs> I so remember terrible. in high school having a conversation with a group of friends uh, from my theater school in a Starbucks. Um, on was it oh yeah on South Florida Avenue for anyone who may be listening to this from high school and one of the two of the girls actually with us one of them literally like let's talk through what sex even is and we were probably 15 or 16 and then another one like just wanted to understand like what does an orgasm feel like that was a Mm -hmm. really fun conversation for us 15 16 (laughs) 17 year olds I remember it so well but what you just said a second ago Brittany like then you go into marriage and you might not even know these things The week before I got married at 20 years old, my mom, I cannot believe I'm finally telling this story. I can't, I'm like, I love that you're telling this story. (laughs) (laughs) If you're like one of my very close friends, you know this story. And I've never talked to her about this again. But Danielle, this is for you. This is my sister. I feel like I told her about this. Maybe not you, Gabriel. Who knows? My mom and I were running errands for the wedding. I was getting married in seven days. And we were driving around Lake Hollingsworth in Lakeland, Florida. And my mom got real quiet. And one week before I got married, my mom turned to me and said, Tiffany, can I ask you a question? And I knew something just awful was coming. I just knew that it. pit and your stuff. You're just like, oh. A hundred percent. Well, I thought she was going to ask me if I'd had sex. No. Oh, okay. Worse. <laughs> Tiffany, do you know what orgasm is? I still love the, the the phrasing of it. I will. That's the most important part. I will never <laughs> forget the phrasing of it. Do you know what orgasm is? As though it's like an organization. Um, <laughs> I was so pissed. I like lost it. I was like, I'm getting married in one week. Do you really think now is the time to bring this up? Do you really think now is the time to fill me in on things? And I'm like, the things I can teach you. Just kidding. I didn't say that, but <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And that's the thing. So not purity culture, not only harms, in my opinion, the child, I believe it is harming the parent deeply as well, because you create all these ideas about your child's worth. You create all these ideas about, you know, especially the whole heaven, hell situation, their long-term, whatever. And you shame them and you don't get to know them because one of the biggest elephants in the room for a child coming of age is sex. It is one of the most confusing, interesting, fascinating, wonderful, terrible things that happens to you at that age. And when you live in a, in a religion, a purity culture, there was a huge rift between me and my mom, huge crevice that we could not reach each other across because to talk about those things was evil. So my mom waited until a week before I was a married 20-year-old woman to have the birds and the bees talk with me. And that is what purity culture did. Yeah. Wow. Are we done here? Yeah, Let's I still go was home. shocked the first time you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Don't do that to your kid. Don't do oh. that to your kid. Just, you know, like it's way too little too late. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be like, do you know? Do you so know? Then did you did you have like a purity ring or any of those kind of conversations with your parents? I, I didn't, but it's just because my family was too cheap. You had to buy that thing. <laughs> so no, I did not have one. Yeah. No, I did. I did have one. I still have it somewhere in one of my boxes somewhere, um, one of my jewelry boxes. But yeah, I don't, I can't say that I remember the outing the way that I probably should, but I feel like. I, I remember that I was in in the States at the time. We had come back from South Africa and 
I did uh, my middle school, like a year and a half of middle school in Fort Myers, Florida. And during that time, that was like all during the, the don't, uh, I kissed dating goodbye. And mm-hmm. like, there was all these conferences happening. And so I was like 12, 13 at the time. And everything was about that and like pledging and and at some point there was a conference or a youth group where apparently I filled out a pledge of like my purity like to my family and to God or whatever and my dad did get me like he was always a big he's a gift giver and so like you know throughout the years like he'd give us special little things like that would be nice and so I did have a like a band that had a few little diamonds or something in it and I and I loved it and I was very proud of it but I I have no memory of giving my dad the pledge and I know I've told the story in other (laughs) podcasts but on my wedding day and I had no idea this was coming he like read it out to the audience and was like essentially being like I now give her over to Curtis uh-huh. but like essentially and I honestly as I'm saying this out loud right now is the first time I'm kind of processing that kind of like proclaiming my virginity essentially to the world your purity like, to the, the world my purity yeah and the thing is like I've actually heard a couple other people this happen to and then some people have not stayed virgins I was a virgin but like also how awkward is that when you're like you're how little your family even knows and I feel like some of that obviously parenting is different all over the place regardless of whether you're in the church Mm -hmm. or not but when when the church does raise children and parents in this purity culture it does create this environment that's very difficult to talk about these things because it is this like hidden boxed up thing that's like put in a special place for that one day and it makes it really difficult to talk about because like why would I want to bring up things that I'm hearing at school to my parents because, what does this mean, because Mom? It's like, like, yeah. Oh, I still and I still can remember uh, having a conversation with my mom at probably fifteen or sixteen. We were sitting watching some. I honestly, I feel like it was like Ricky Lake or something was on, which my mom did not like, and I yeah. wasn't really supposed to watch Raunchy. either. But we had like three channels in South Africa, and two of one of them would not be in English. We didn't have cable, whatever. And so Ricky Lake was on every day after school. And I feel like something came on and had to do with sex. And it was something to do with, like, how kids learn everything from their their peers. And I made a comment to her, like, uh, and I was probably coming into my skin and being way more, like, myself now, which was a little more feisty. And I said something like, yeah, I've learned everything I know about sex from friends. And my mom got very upset. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I couldn't even I think, say that in front of my mom. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it, to me, it was more like validating what I had watched. I remember being like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Like, I've learned everything, like, kind of like that. And uh, for me, just being like, yeah, that's, different. that's not true. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is true. But I understand yeah. maybe from your perspective, you would hope that it's all come from you, but yeah. it hasn't. But like a church um, telling you, and I don't know what your parents talked to you about yet, but, um, you know, a church telling you, like, don't have sex doesn't mean that now you understand sex. Like, you exactly. may have heard about sex, but, like, them being, like, abstain, it's for your husband, it's for your wife, cool, I know less about sex than before you said that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and no, I should say, too, if my mom is listening to this, hey, first off, hello, hi. Um, two, if you're listening to this, I know you did the best you could with the tools and resources you had, and you gave me one of the best stories of my life. So I'm not mad about it, <laughs> about the whole orgasm thing. I'm not mad, but it is just one of like my top five stories. So 
It's fine. Well, but I same. do wish I mean, the things I, had been different yeah. when we were growing up and we could have talked about things. Like my mom didn't even know when I had my first kiss, you know, because to kiss yeah. somebody is like, well, you might as well be in bed with them. I'm like, I'm 12 years old and I just had my first kiss. Yeah. I guess that's a good question. I've never asked my mom. We were never like crazy close growing up, but she also had four kids and I was the oldest. And so I feel like when I had my first kiss, I don't know if they... I think they probably assumed because they, they always knew when I had like a boyfriend. I don't have a memory of, memory of her asking me like, have you kissed him? But she may have. I don't I don't remember though. So. Yeah. But that is one of those things where I feel like because I probably feel like those conversations didn't happen as much as they should have. And fortunately, I was a pretty open kid. So I feel like even when Curtis and I started dating, I probably shared more with her in the later years than a typical kid would have because I did feel comfortable talking about some of it. But that's just my nature, like, my personality. And I feel like with Nadia, like, she's a lot more naturally closed off a little bit. Like, a little more... She's not private in the sense of, like, like you know, she, again, she'll change in front of me, whatever. She's not the one to, like, come be like, hey, mom, I did blah, blah, blah. Like, I usually have to mm-hmm. ask her. And I and I have said a couple times where, like, we've watched shows or, like, Babysitter's Club or whatever. And something will come up about a kiss. And I'm like, you better tell me. when you have your first kiss I want to know like I want to celebrate with you and I want to hear all about it and and then I'll be like you probably won't want to tell me and that's okay too but like someday I want to know about it you know and that's the most wonderful thing you could say is that like I want to know because I want to celebrate that with you yeah I knew I wasn't supposed to have my first kiss I wasn't supposed to have that. I wasn't supposed to do that. So the idea of like celebrating, I know Nadia has her own personality, but I think she may not tell you instantly, but she'll tell you. That's what I hope. I hope that like, I'm not too like overwhelming in life with my raginess and stuff that it'll (laughs) shut her down before it happens. But you know, I've... I'm hoping to keep an open conversation because I'm like, I do, like I, I, I definitely will respect my kids' privacy in the sense of like, I realize they're not going to want to tell me everything and that's okay. But I do hope that I'll have a little bit of an idea of what's going on in their, in their world. And I don't plan on raising them in purity culture because we don't go to church and we don't, you know, even if we did go back to church at any point, like I would make sure I went out of my way to not have them involved in any of that to the degree that like, you know, if they made friends with people who are evangelical or like, go to youth group and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm not saying I would say they're not allowed to because then it's just going to make them want to do it. But like I would be very cautious or I'd be making sure we have a conversation about like, you may hear things that honestly it's because of shame. I don't want them to hear things, which is why, you know, we've even talked Mm -hmm. to both of our sets of parents about like talking about sin or talking about these different words that I don't want to be a part of my kids vocabulary and self-worth because I, I think they're not helpful. I think they're, actually harmful yeah and I don't want them to feel shame about something that they don't need to feel shame about a hundred percent I just so something that's interesting though actually is so you mentioned that book um I kissed dating goodbye mm -hmm. so a fun fact about this so guys and this I guess must have been like the mid to late 90s right that that book came Mm -hmm. out like late 90s and then like I don't know it's early 2000s I was going to say, I read it, it would have happened in the like 1999, 2000, but I don't know if we read it when it came out. That's right. just like when we read it. Yeah. Right. So the guy who wrote that book, he was evangelical, um, Christian, and uh, only believed in sex after marriage, was married for years and years and years. Um, later, and that book was one of the, 
like biggest it was like people's bible for why purity culture should exist like everybody it was like the book that guy later went on like 10 or 15 years later to denounce the book entirely basically said it was total and complete garbage he can't believe he ever wrote it and then got divorced and left, left his wife <laughs> And isn't, remind me if, I feel like you would remember the story better, but wasn't it that like they didn't kiss until they got married? It was something like that. that. Something like that. If it wasn't that, then it was like close to that. And that inspired a lot of people to then take the pledge to even like wait to even do that, which I'm just like, I don't know, man. And like, this is a total tangent, but like if you've been watching The Bachelor and I actually really like him, but you just don't know what kind of kissing you're going to get into. And like, that's a big part of... Again, I'm not saying it's going to make or break whether you choose to stay with someone, but like it could when you're dating if it's just like this does not work. I just I feel like you shouldn't wait to kiss until I'm not. Here's the thing. I know it sounds like we're being very judgy. This is all based off of our experiences, but I guess I would just say I highly don't recommend waiting to kiss until you get married. Absolutely. I, in fact, <laughs> don't recommend even waiting to have sex before you have married. Exactly. Here's the thing is, if I could go back, <laughs> if I could go back, what I would change is I would have had sex with Curtis before we got married. I right. just, even though when we were engaged, like, I just, I knew we were going to be together. To me, it was like, a part of me is even fine with accepting people wanting to wait until you want, you know, if that's f- something you want to commit and you're not even a Christian or anything like that, then cool. I'm not even opposed to that. And part of me, there's a little part of me that's like the part that I don't want to let go from my past. That's like, oh, I, I don't want Nadia to get hurt. I don't want her to feel like her right. heart gets ripped in a million different p- pieces. But I do feel like it would have not put so much pressure on things on the wedding night on all these things. It's just like terrible after you have this like epic high. Now you're going to have to like figure out how to do this thing you've never done before. And just like it takes the pressure off of something. And I feel like it would help literally help your sexual relationship grow into something beautiful as it should be and not spend the first year or a couple years for us of like a very much an up and down of trying to figure out how to do this without feeling shame and like yeah don't get me wrong we still had fun it's not like that didn't happen but like there was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt that went into our sex life for the first couple years and a lot of trouble I remember being young Christian and married and being like okay now that I can have sex what kind of sex can I have like (laughs) you know what I mean it's like can you be impure even when you're just with your you know husband uh like can you can you still do it wrong and like there was definitely a belief that there was like things that you can and cannot do and I just think it's so absurd when if things are completely consensual happy um consensual yes (laughs) that especially in a marriage but like again that's the purity culture talking that you should be able to do whatever you want guess what you should be able to do whatever you want when you're somebody of age to be able to handle it and you're consenting yes and not consenting out of like true consent guys like we all know that somebody people have consented to things that aren't like true consent that's what i'm talking about yeah how do you, like, let's say you have kids. What do you feel like you're going to do or teach them in terms of I purity mean, culture? And Well, I think my goal with my kids would always be, like, just complete openness. Not to, like, the weird level, but, like, I have, you know them, some good friends in New York who have four kids, and they are so open with their kids. I'm like, how did you do that? And I think a big part of it, at least just from the observational standpoint, is they talk to them like they're people. 
you know, and they understand that they are not full grown adults, you know, and their brains have a lot more work to do and they have a lot of learning to do and all that, but they talk to them like they're people, like they're experiencing human things from, you know, the time they're babies until they're grown up. They'd never made anything weird. Nothing was ever made weird. They call their body parts what they are. You know what I mean? They call sex what it is. Um, you know, they acknowledge that sex has multiple facets to it, that it's biological and it's fun and it's, you know, all these things. And so I think I just want to be like that. And like, you're right behind them. I get to watch you do this soon too, um, with them hitting (laughs) those ages of these talks. But like, I, I, and here's the thing too, that I struggle with. I'm divorced. I'm in another relationship. Like when I got into this new relationship at the age that I did, I was about like close to 30 after having been married throughout my entire 20s, I struggled so much with other people's sexual histories, like obsessively, because mm. I didn't have the same history, because it's I wasn't raised to have that um, opportunity. And I think purity culture is not only damaging like to your self-worth and all these things, but also to your psyche and how you relate to other people outside of sex, even like it, just knowing like, Oh my God, you've slept with that many people. I go into instant judge mode. And not only do I have still that like sin judge where I'm like, that's sinful, even though I don't believe that I also have an inadequacy judgment against myself where I'm like, Oh my God, I'm never going to like measure up to whatever you've experienced because you know, Jenny has not been around the block is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't want my kids to ever go through that. I like don't want them to not take it seriously, but I don't want my kids to grow up and take it so seriously that that heartbreak, your first heartbreak, whatever that you're going to experience, that's going to be so bad anyway, we're going to make it 10 times worse by saying now you're dirty. Like, yeah. And I think that's what comes out of it. So I really want to, I'm like, you're going to have your heartbreak anyway. I want to avoid any of the shame that goes with not getting something back that you lost. Yeah. Oh, I think that's huge. And I think the culture that we're living in, um, as much as I am sure our past evangelical everyone um, hates what's happening in the world right now with just like the LGBTQ plus uh, community and just like the fluidity of people. And I'm not going to lie. There's a part of it that I still at my core have to like work through a comfort, like a comfortability with it, which I'm totally open to, but I feel like I'm still learning constantly. So it's changing and everything. But I also feel like raising kids in seeing how things are different as much as there are sides, there's a side of the whole Gen Z generation right now that I find very sensitive and very just like, Oh my gosh, it's just simmer down guys. It's going to be okay. At the same time, there's an openness to them that, you know, I know Nadia's a little ways behind them, but I'm just like, I think that some of these things just won't be as big of a factor because of the, because of number one, they're not being raised in church the way we were. And number two, the environment that they're being raised in, which is in LA, the greater LA. And like, you're going to be exposed to a lot of different things, which is going to, in our family, going to open up a lot of place like space for questions and being able to talk about things and none of it is taboo and like you know I remember and I hate to even admit this but like I remember years and years ago when I was still struggling with you know finding homosexuality being like a sin or wrong or whatever Mm -hmm. like I remember thinking this is probably even pre having kids you had this thought or I had this thought of like you don't want your kids to be gay because it's like 
then they're going to be judged and all of the yeah. things they have to go through. And then I went through another period once I was accepting of all of that and, and totally okay with it of still feeling like, oh, I still don't know that I'd want that because they still have to go through like all these other things in society. But I feel right. like the, the older that I've gotten and the older my kids have gotten, it's just our world has shifted. And for me, I think for the better. And your motivations between those two things, though, too, Brittany, like they're completely different. So you can't be hard on yourself. It is yeah, true. Like yeah. I have, I'm surrounded by wonderful gay people in my life and they will tell you like life has been harder for me than it has been for you. So like yeah. that is coming from like a mother's, um, pr- you know, protective spirit. It's the other one that we grew up with that was the problem. But that's not, yeah. you know. That's just, everybody wants the, their kid's life to be so easy. And yeah, the simpler version. Of, the goal yeah. is that it gets easier and easier and easier when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community and fluidity and everything you're talking about. I hope by the time like our kids have kids, like we're That's chill. What, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it will be that way. Like, I think the conversations I've already been able to have with her, even regarding like, you know, we, what were we watching? Like Anne with an E, which was like the remake of Anne of Green Gables, which I highly recommend, loved it. But even in that, they talked about like one of the boys was gay and then, you know, and it opened some conversations that we've had with the kids. But it's just like, I, I guess, a conversation that I want to continue to have and just making sure that I'm keeping myself open enough to tell them too, like, look, I don't know if Nadia or Rebecca will end up being gay. I don't know. As long as I feel like we can have these conversations to keep things open, that's that's my goal is just, you know, making it not, like you said, with the friends that we know, like not weird. Like this is all can just be very normal and doesn't mean that it takes away from the bigness of it because that's the one thing I guess I would want to hit home is Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here for a second and tell you that I don't think sex is a big deal. I think it is. But for the same reason, I think we have to handle it like it's a big deal in the sense of we need to talk about it more and be more open to that and be more open with our kids and not talk about it with such a shame mentality. Yeah, I'm a big fan of monogamous sex. And I don't care if you do it and you don't. I'm just saying in terms of my life. I'm a big fan. (laughs) And I think that um, in my experience, that is a safety that I would enjoy because we don't even talk about all the other things that you know people try to talk around like well it's not just about purity culture it's also about like disease and all this stuff sure I avoid that stuff with monogamous sex yeah (laughs) you know and so those are just like choices and things to talk about but like the opposite so it's something that I was thinking about today when thinking about we're going to talk about all this stuff is like is the opposite of purity culture promiscuity is that Mm. the opposite I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I think the opposite I don't is think just so like either. being normal. Yeah. But being informed. Being, yeah, informed and reasonable. I don't think the opposite. Like it's like, again, what something we said earlier though is that like I think that a lot of kids are less likely to have sex earlier and dangerously if they exist outside of purity culture, if they're raised outside of purity culture. Um, not all, yeah. but many I just yeah. know that I wanted like you to do said, what I was told not to. That's the thing is I'm like if it's the most it's like the most fundamental parenting or not even parenting but just like with anyone you tell someone oh you're not allowed to go do that thing that's what everybody's gonna want to do don't go up on the roof everybody wants to go up on the roof you don't want to you know don't kiss a boy of course you want to kiss a boy also it's things like kissing to me which is just like so stupid if people are gonna put make mm-hmm. that a whole thing of purity culture it's like kids are gonna have hormones and want to try things and like to me the other thing is I would much rather them 
experiment to a degree, you know, which what that degree looks like, I don't know yet, but in the comfort and safety of living at home, then waiting until way after the fact totally. and then having to, no support system. I want to be that support system for them, not setting them up with this very restrictive environment that they can't wait to break free of because mm-hmm. that's what we've created for them. And I'm like, yeah. again, like I can't tell you how badly that influenced so many of my friends' decisions because it's like all they would talk about is abstaining from it in youth group. So what do you think everybody wanted to do? It was on their brain. That's all they wanted to do. Totally. So, I was on a trip one time going skiing with my youth group and this kid in the bus driving to West Virginia was so horny he tried to rub my foot and I whipped that (laughs) foot back in that church van so fast. I was like, what are you doing? You know, when you're like all in close proximity, like that's the kind of shit that comes out of it is like foot fetishes, y'all. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I'm not entirely kidding. This is Um, how they start. And I also think like this could be its own topic as well, just the sexuality and all of it in general. But like when you keep things so restricted and I will just speak from my experience and again wait until your first and and some of this maybe it's parenting some of it I don't know I'm blaming a lot of it on the church because that's where I spent the majority of my teen years is in youth group leading youth group at every church function whatsoever so I don't even put this all on my parents I think it's a combo but you know I think when we spend so much time only focusing on what not to do then there is such a lack of information about what to do or how Mm -hmm. to handle yourself. And maybe I was just way too naive because in general I wasn't a kid that partied hard or did a ton of crazy stuff anyways. But I'm like, I just feel so gypped going into my, my marriage because I feel like I didn't know what the hell I was doing or like how to feel or like, I don't know what, like how are any of us supposed to figure that out? And I get that somebody might argue that's the beautiful thing about marriage is you get to figure it out and it's like yeah but through so much frustration and you're already trying to figure out like number one we waited to move in together because that's what we were supposed to do Mm -hmm. so that's a whole other thing that's a whole (laughs) other topic we could also talk about so now you're getting used to all of these things and on top of that a sexual relationship with someone who you have had like some problem depending on who it is like for us like yeah we had messed around and kissed and made out and you know, done things with each other, but we hadn't had sex. I just feel like it's such, it's setting up people for possible years of failure or maybe not failure, but just struggle that is so unnecessary or could be put in place. So if you're someone that's listening to this and you listen to us because you 100% disagree with everything we're saying, which is totally fine. You know, I think of somebody like, let's say you're like a youth leader in a youth group right now. Like, use this as an opportunity to educate people in the way that they should feel or behave once they are married. Like, I still don't agree with most of it or the whole purity culture thing in general, but I just think there needs to be more education in the church if you're going to continue to talk about things like this. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel very passionate about that. (laughs) Passionately anti-purity culture. Yeah, I just wish... I could have avoided that part of my childhood. It's really hard. And again, one of my biggest sadnesses from it is what like the rift that it creates between parents and kids in my experience, for sure. It, you know, everything was about, the, you know, not having the appearance of evil and um, just being holy enough to get to marriage. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, you can get there and then you, you keep getting there. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. you know, it just um, is... Um, 
I keep going back to the word unreasonable. I think it's an unreasonable thing to put on people. And I also am frustrated with like even the modern churches, how we grew up, but like even modern, like really evangelical churches and like mega churches, this is still the stuff that they're teaching and purporting and it fails. That's the problem with like purity culture as a concept is it fails the people it's trying to teach. Yeah. So miserably. That's a thing where I'm like, just it needs, it needs a facelift. Whatever you're doing in the church needs needs a facelift or yeah I mean if it doesn't just completely go away you guys need to figure out a better way to do it because I guarantee yes we are two girls girls women whatever sitting here talking about our experiences but I guarantee there are hundreds of thousands of women that have probably felt this way that have come through the church over the last maybe not hundreds of thousands whatever tens of thousands right they've come through the church from the years that we when this was such a big thing and it's still it remains a still. thing yeah I don't know I think it's dangerous waters that you've created and continue to be created and I just it, it's like one of the few things you know there's a lot of deconstruction things that we could talk about that I disagree with but like this is something that like I feel very passionate about needing to change yeah. because it's it's harmful it's harmful to yeah and this is something we started deconstructing even before we got to the place in our like non-religion that we are now like even when you and I were you know younger and still very much considered ourselves Christians and like we're practicing that I remember having conversations even we were younger and when I was still married that like all four of us were basically like if we could go back and have had sex before we got married would we have even as practicing living Christians Mm -hmm. all of us said yes yep like without hesitation so that tells you something just the fact that we had not even deconstructed our faith yet but that was already an element of the faith that we were like this is bogus (laughs) this was harmful to us like we wanted to be together and this was harmful to us you know and there was no intention of like cheating and all this stuff I just I think that's interesting (laughs) yeah I think it says a lot because yeah that is a good point to to, that you pointed out because there might be an assumption based on like well of course you think this now and it's like no this may have been one of the one of the many things that got us to where we are now a hundred percent it is it is it's one of the things of like well this doesn't make sense and we're living the the proof that this didn't make sense and then other things start happening and other you know things come up that make you question your faith and ultimately sometimes um shed it yeah yeah (laughs) so again there's about 17 directions we could probably go on this but we just always want to hear from you guys what your experiences have been um and you know where if anywhere we're missing the mark you know the one thing that we kind of hit on for a sec but I guess the one thing purity culture gets right is that sex is a big deal so just continuing to figure out how to destigmatize it for children up to our elders because you know there's like a little old lady out there who won't have sex because she her husband passed away and she needs to get married again but she doesn't want to get married like no betty go have some fun live your best life yeah (laughs) betty live your betty life that makes me sad i'm just saying sad oh you know it's out there but it's just like (sighs) yeah at the very least look into the womanizer yes I was gonna say it's like I don't yeah I think also purity culture and just like evangelical Christian culture in general it's like this thing of suffering it's like yes you can only enjoy things in these tiny parameters and that's all and it's like no 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 I don't honestly no matter what you believe in like 
I hope that you believe in a God that wants us to enjoy the life that they, that he, she, whoever gave us. Yeah. At the very least. I, I don't think we should be living a life of suffering. And for yeah. that 85-year-old woman who's living a life without <laughs> sex. Let's go. I think get it on. Yeah. <laughs> Find that uh, old grandpa. Please. Or grandma. Like, or, who knows? Or grandma. Yeah. Or younger man. Whatever. Or woman. <laughs> or, you know, who knows? Maybe they're they there. That's true. I think God's pronouns I have to these work days, on that. God is a he, her. That's yeah. what I said earlier. It's like whatever God, he <laughs> yeah. or she or they or whoever. Totally. Uh, <sighs> this was good, though. We had questions. We had like specific questions written on our document. And we we're just like, I know. I don't even know like, what it we out. hit or didn't hit, but great. <laughs> No, it's great. I, I, my favorite kind of topics are ones that like, it's like, yes, we have notes, but I'm like, it's just so conversational that we're just like, can't get enough out. So my fave. And now you get to see our faces still. I don't know if any of you guys watched our last one, but I have not checked. I should look at that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been fun and I don't know what we're talking about next time, but it'll be awesome. It absolutely will be um if you (laughs) were listening to this episode but you did not listen to the last episode and you're like what are you talking about verticals check out our last episode if you don't want to listen to the whole thing we always have all the information up on the blog and in our show notes uh so yeah like Brittany said we don't know what next week is going to be but it will be a good time and in the meantime we're always fans of when you rate and review and subscribe because that's how other people find us And that is the best part of doing this, I think, is other than just like hanging out with my BFF and, you know, having like huge life conversations before we even record and have the huge life conversations. Yeah. The second best part is the randos. Hi, randos. Yes. (laughs) Hi, randos. (laughs) Hey, it happens and it makes our day. It's crazy. Amazing. What's, I don't know, just the this little project of ours it's been fun so yeah. I'm excited about what's to come this year so nice so, so nice so thank you for listening I'm Tiffany and I'm Brittany and we will see you in, in a couple weeks yeah yeah bye bye